0: Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor, and leader of the Psalmist Span Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Thrive Deeper, the accompanying podcast to the Thrive Deeper Daily Reading Guide. It's DJ here and on this week's episode, Matthew Jacoby and myself sit down and we head through the gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Now this conversation was very enlightening to myself. Uh, Matthew brought out some patterns and some points that I hadn't previously caught going through uh, through this amazing chapter. We start off in John with the death of John the Baptist and we get this flashback of everything that has been happening around that. It's a really interesting chapter and uh, I know you're going to enjoy this week's episode. Now we kick off the discussion on this week's episode about a project that we have been working on behind the scenes here and something that we're going to let you know more about over the next few weeks as we release it. It's a really exciting video project, but I'll let Matthew... And my past self, (laughs) tell you a little bit more about it. I'll be back at the end of the episode to let you know some more. All right, thanks. Besides me having to edit the podcast every week that we do, at the moment, I'm also up to my eyeballs where I'm going to bed at night and dreaming about your face and the way that you talk and everything. Because I'm editing this entire video series that we've been doing behind the scenes.
0: Haven't you always dreamed about my face? <laughs> no. No.
1: Oh. To answer your question, no, I haven't. So I am, I am, can can one be, what's, what's the right term for this? Can one be Jacobied out? Oh, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I often am.
0: <laughs> I get very sick of myself.
1: <laughs> well, I'm I'm nearly in that same spot. No, I'm only joking. I, I, I mentioned that I, I mentioned that because very excited to to let everybody know that coming very shortly we've got a a video series about the book that you've written, Deeper Places. Mm. You know, talk talk us through this. This is something that we actually filmed at the end of last year, yeah. And getting everything together, finally, uh, you know, editing it on, on a on a new editing machine, and we're going through everything. And uh, I'm really excited for people to uh, have a look at this.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's a it's a series looking at the psalms, really the spiritual dynamics of the psalms. So condensed into that series is kind of everything that I've learnt about the psalms after over twenty odd years of. Working with the Psalms and studying the Psalms, so um, I, I, I'm yeah, I'm really excited about. It. I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be uh, a good resource. So, so it's watch not o- space. Not
1: only is it a uh, a video series that we've got that is a bit of a resource for people mm. and especially small groups. Mm-hmm. It's a new edition of the book. Yeah, and
0: tell us a little bit about what makes the edition new. Well, I added a, a chapter to it, okay. uh, a big chapter actually on the imprecatory or imprecatory psalms, okay. however you say that. You might not say that at all, <laughs> which basically means the, the, the real angry psalms. I, yeah. I, I didn't really address that in the first edition of the books and I, book, and I thought, my book, Deeper Places, and I thought that that was too big an omission, so I have added a chapter yeah. on that because there was actually some real things that dawned on me about those particular psalms. Okay. And, And I've shared some of those, what I hope are insights in the book.
1: Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait. Again, Matthew will be in no way a charge of uh, selling or letting you know about the book because (laughs) he's incapable of doing such things. So you might hear me on future podcasts letting you know about this amazing new resource that we've got behind the scenes. And uh, I really hope that uh, you can uh, Mm. find the time to check it out. Well, let's uh, let's change gears and get straight into this episode. What episode. are we doing? What are we doing? We Move. are we are in chapter. this episode fifty-five. We are talking about well, last week we we really talked about uh, Jesus's change of way of speaking to the crowds, and then his ultimate rejection by the end of chapter thirteen in the Gospel of Matthew. We are now looking. We want to get through, if we can, this episode. This is the challenge for you, Matt. Mm. We want to get through chapters fourteen and fifteen this mm. this week and cover what, uh, what is happening in Jesus in this gospel narrative?
0: Well, uh, big picture is important here when we get to chapter 14 Yeah, because um, I, I have said before that the way that Matthew structures events in the life of Jesus is very important. That in itself says something. Now, he's saying something to the Jewish people. He wants to say something about who Jesus is. Mm. So um, let's see if we can work this out. So chapter 14 begins... With um, uh, Herod, him uh, it says at the t- uh, at that time Herod the Tetrarch heard reports uh, about Jesus and said to his attendants, "This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him." Now, and it talks about. Um, a bit of a backstory about the fact that he had... It's a weird way of telling a story because we get the accusation at
1: the beginning and we're like, hang on, he's raised from the dead. What happened to John the Baptist? Last time we heard he was in prison. Yeah. And then we sort of get this flashback of what happened to John the Baptist.
0: Yeah, so he's saying that... He's telling what happened to John the Baptist because it's a way of saying that, well, Herod is now onto Jesus. And it's so the king of the realm, Herod the Tetrarch, is is now on to Jesus. He's going to um, start pursuing Jesus. And in response to this, Jesus goes out into the wilderness. Mm. And there there is this miraculous, this miracle of the feeding of the multitude in the wilderness. And then it's followed by the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Wow. Okay. So now... What happens here when we read these stories, we generally think, okay, that's a nice story. Yep, that's a nice story too, and that's a nice story. Yeah. Now, let's just think about how they fit together. Yes, great. So there is opposition from the powers that be that leads us to go out with his people into the wilderness. Mm -hmm. In the wilderness, there is miraculous provision uh, of food. Mm -hmm. And then there is, we have Jesus and his disciple Peter Walking across the the lake, yeah, Yeah. a pathway across the lake, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Now, can you think of anywhere else in Scripture (laughs) that that has um, conflict with the powers that be, leading to the people going out into the wilderness, receiving Mm -hmm. miraculous provision of food, Mm -hmm. and finding a pathway through? Yeah. See. yeah, it's obviously of an, course. So the for Exodus the, for the Jewish
1: readers and the Jewish audience, yep. they're going to pick up on that straight away.
0: That's oh, so Jesus is like the, a new Moses. Yeah, that's Matthew's wanting to illustrate something here uh, that Jesus is doing the same kinds of things. Now, patterns like this are important because they show uh, they show Jesus' connection with everything that's gone before, and this is important. This is he is of God, mm. and he's doing the things that Moses did, but. Um, he is—he's uh, doing them in, in in his own particular way that says indicates that he's even greater than Moses. Yeah. So so this is how these how these miracles uh, kind of fit together. Um, the the walking on the water bit is particularly significant um, given the symbolism around. Bodies of water, and this was the case actually also in Exodus. The significance of the parting of the sea had to do with the association of the sea. Now, the sea was seen as the realm of death, the Undergod, the the underworld, the place where uh, the god Yam was resided, and and. So it was greatly feared. It symbolizes the forces of chaos. Yep. In in Genesis chapter 1, we have this picture of the Spirit of God hovering over the watery depths. Mm. And in ancient Near Eastern symbolism... Um, and in fact, in other creation uh, epics, you have this idea of a primeval watery chaos. Yes. And what you, we see in Genesis is God bringing order to the chaos. You know, mm-hmm. so He separates the land and the sea, and and creates these spaces for life. You know, yep. out of the chaos. So you've got this. It's almost a fear. Yeah, of, of these large bodies right. of water. That's right. So, so yeah. there really is, there really was this fear mm. of. Uh, Of these bodies of water and they symbolized a lot more than just what we think it's not just a nice trick actually walking on the water is has this um strong sense of mastering these forces of chaos. I mean, he mm. walked in the same way as Moses is able to separate the water to create dry ground. This is mm. um, for uh, in the book of Exodus. This is important because it harks back to the creation account where God separates the water from the dry land and, it, and holds it, back the chaos. And it's
1: almost like here in in um, this account with Jesus and Peter is, you know, in the storm and, the, and the, uh, the walking across the water. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like I'll do you one better. Mm. You thought separating the water and you being, you know, is is yep, was yep. impressive. How about you just walk across it? You know, yep. like it's it's mm. it's a, it's like almost yep. like a victory walk upon over, it, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and 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 it's well, it's better in the sense that it's you know, he's not just trying to say this is a better trick. It's actually, it actually <laughs> yeah, shouts yeah. louder. Yes, that's, that's the point. Yep. It shouts louder the message. Yeah, like I'm walking on top of this. Yeah. I'm not just pushing it aside. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, actually yeah, yeah. walking on top of it, yeah, and yeah. and and he calls Peter out uh, to do the same so, as well. And so that I mean that's important again because it's this uh, Jesus is calling his disciples to this position of authority and mastery and and uh, to the basically the creation mandate to rule over the earth, mm, yeah. and it has this symbolic significance. Is that you know that Peter is he walks on top of the chaos without being drawn down into it. Mm. Uh, so. It's a very rich it's a very rich miracle. Um, as is of course the feeding of the 5,000. I mean this is um, really important statement about the God who provides that is equally present there yeah. in the exodus. Now so that's again, those two miracles take place.
1: After we get the story, the f- the opening part of chapter fourteen, mm. we've sort of we're doing what the uh, the chapter's doing here. We're jumping around in the narrative a little bit, but going back to what has instigated all of this is the death of John the Baptist. Yeah, and we get this, you know, story here in a, in just a handful of verses that is totally removed from our major characters as mm. far as you know Peter, Jesus, then you know, the disciples, and these you know everything mm. like this. All of a sudden, we get a glimpse at. What is going on with the king, with the ruler, and the actual, you know, debauchery, the mm. sin, the the you know, the wickedness that is going on there, and this crazy story about wanting John the Baptist's head, and the whole movies and books yeah, yeah. and everything is inspired art has been inspired by this short story. Is there anything for us as Christians to take away from this, you know, in a deeper yeah. level, or is it just an accounting of what happened?
0: No, it's more than that because. Well, first of all, let's look at what the text is doing. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness because he is leaving all of this. Uh, It's this come out of, it's coming out of that system. He's not going to get involved in that game. He's not going to play power games with Herod. That's not what he's come to do. He's come uh, to lead his people uh, in in a kind of new exodus in a spiritual sense. Mm -hmm. And so he takes them out into the wilderness like Moses and so forth. So th- this just underscores the corruption within the nation mm. and and remember because John is the prophet here so here 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 is the king killing the prophet mm. that you know that's that's what's important uh, about this and so um, uh, it's it's not just a it's not just a nice story it's showing the corruption of that world system it shows Jesus coming out of that world system yes not. Competing within that world system, yep. but coming out of that world system, but it also wants to show the, the how that world system rejects the word of God and yep. the work of God.
1: Okay, okay, mm. all right. So uh, wrapping up chapter fourteen, you know, so we go from the death of John the Baptist. We see, you know, the opening, you know, the very opening line is sort of bringing up the anti a little bit, as in the rulers are beginning to say, "We've we've noticed, sure. you know, Jesus Christ. He is in yeah. the same, you know, spirit of." you know, John the Baptist, we get the glimpse there. We get these two amazing miracles, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Jesus walking on the water. Uh, you know, as we wrap up chapter 14 here, w- what's the takeaway for us? So, uh, you know, we get the picture of, of Exodus. We get the picture of a new Moses. Mm. We get a picture of amazing, miraculous, that God is behind, you know, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What, what what do we take away from
0: this? We, we, we take away a, a very polarized picture of a Jesus who says come out of all that this is I'm calling you to radically leave behind one way of doing things and I'm calling you out into a different kind of life that is a life of faith where God will provide and uh, and where and it's illustrated by Peter walking on the water I'm calling you into a radically different sort of life it's a life of faith and that, that that keeping in mind this is radically different. And how, and I think the challenge there is, well, what is radically different about about you as a Christian? Uh, because um, between this life and the worldly life, there really is that, or there certainly should be, um, a real difference.
1: Matthew here with you. We've, uh, we've just power walked through uh, chapter 14 of the Gospel of Matthew, and we've seen the death of John the Baptist and this sort of uh, Moses like picture of Jesus coming out of the worldly system, feeding the 5,000, walking across the water with Peter. And now we come to chapter 15. Mm. Chapter 15, the opening. Gambit from chapter 15 is this familiar scene in Jerusalem of the Pharisees and the religious law, you know, teachers of the religious law coming
0: to Jesus and his disciples and wanting to argue. Yeah, and and this this flows on from the section before because uh, the section before shows Jesus as the new Moses and, of course, Moses is the giver of the law. Yeah. So what happens next is a dispute over the law. It's actually a dispute over the traditions that they have added to the law. Yes. Um, It says then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, this isn't just, this is more than just narrow-minded legalism. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I think we have to work against a bit of a caricature of the Pharisees here. Right. The food laws, like the laws of Sabbath and circumcision, were all about keeping the distinctness of the people. Yes. This is a statement of faithfulness yes. to God, um, and it's a, it's actually a key aspect of being the people of God. And there were a lot of people in the Maccabean period, and I keep I've often referred to that yep. period yep. Uh, when the um, Jewish pe- when the Judaism was outlawed by the um, Greek emperor um, Antiochus Epiphanes around sort of 168 uh, BC. Mm -hmm. And the Jews stood up for what they believed. I mean, the big threat then was assimilating and becoming Hellenized. Yes. You know, becoming like Like everyone else, like the culture. And there was this whole generation that stood up for their faith and said, no, we will not. We're going to keep, um, even though our laws have been outlawed, Mm. we're going to, to the death defend you know defend these laws and and, and many people died to, you mm. know in, in practicing these things so so that idea kind of held on you know mm. this is about this is about being um, uh, it's like this is about being Israel yeah it's it's um, a kind of patriotism yeah to the death yeah, you know yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to follow these laws but it had become all about that. So so Jesus not following the laws uh it's a little bit like burning a American flag on Fourth of july yeah it's it's that kind of in the minds of the act, pharisees in the, in the minds the of the pharisees yes. that, that, yeah. that, because why aren't you doing this yeah as a godly person, you, this you, is how yeah. we show that we're the real deal, yeah. and that's what Jesus has a problem with. Yeah,
1: because you're you're talking about yeah. the nation of Israel yeah. and this new kingdom of heaven yeah. that we have all been looking forward to. Yet, yeah. you keep going against what we've all been fighting for and dying for yeah. literally all these years. What's what's the deal? What's yeah. the deal? And even the sense of at the beginning of this of this chapter. Um, I sort of missed it when I read it. Uh, read it through before, but uh, these guys have come to Jesus. Yeah, they 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 they're, they're yeah. searching him out. Yeah. So so again, to paint against the picture and the stereotypes that we have of the Pharisees being yeah, these, yeah. they're seeking Jesus out and going. I think it's a sincere question. Yeah. Of saying, hang on,
0: what is going on here? Yeah. You're doing all this stuff, but you're not following. Yeah. And and, I mean, Jesus is pointing out that they have got it wrong. And he's not doing this to to judge them, as in condemn them. Like he wants them to turn around and and, um, heed what he's saying. And essentially what he's saying is that they have, these laws have developed into a kind of badge of membership of the covenant people, that I do these things and therefore that uh, that shows that I'm one of God's people. Well, he says that that's not. I mean, what Jesus wants to do is actually redefine what it means to be part of the covenant people. Yes. It's about responsiveness to God. It's about faith. It's not just about following all of these traditions. And and the, then he also criticizes the fact that they had they had. Um, uh, formed various traditions oh. around law-keeping that actually had even contradicted the purpose yeah. uh, of the law. Yeah. And um, one of these, and it indicates this here, had to do with the fact that I could store up money and sort of put money aside for that would eventually go to the temple, but I could benefit from that money. And, and I could say to people who really needed it, oh, no, sorry, I'm not going to give this to you. I've already pledged this to God. Because I've already pledged this to God. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was just an excuse. And it just became... A contradiction in the in the of of other more important principles mm. of caring for your parents and the poor and yes. so forth. So, um, so the traditions themselves had actually become quite problematic. And again, he again, once again, he quotes
1: Isaiah and Jesus quotes Isaiah in front of him after calling yeah. them hypocrites yet again, yeah, and saying, you know, it's yeah, he basically says, it's you, your heart is the problem here, you're yeah. not getting it. 're you're, you're saying the right things you are doing the right things yeah. your heart is far from God mm. and then and then he he does you know he, the great thing he calls out to the crowd yeah. and gives them a very very basic the way that only Jesus can the very simple truisms mm. of saying it's not what goes into your mouth yeah it's what comes out of your mouth like yeah so simple so yeah. simple and the crowd was marveling at the
0: teaching yeah. yeah that's right and
1: and he he breaks it all down
0: which he's actually applying what these food laws were actually trying to symbolize in the first place this idea of um of of ideas about defilement and and what they were doing is that they were keeping the laws without recognizing what it is that the laws were actually trying to ingrain mm. Um, so he is, as is often the case. Mm. I mean, he does this in the Sermon on the Mount, doesn't he? Yeah. Where he points out the principle of the law. Yeah. You, you think you've ticked the box of adultery just because you haven't, you know physically committed adultery, but he says, "But I say to you, even if you look at a woman lustry, you committed adultery in your heart. Yeah. So he's constantly getting to the principles of the law. Mm. and it's the, it, this is the same thing that he's doing here. What is it that really defiles? It's It's not just these mm. outward things. It's actually what is in your heart that yeah. that defiles
1: you. And it's a great we get a we get a real insider look here of what is going on. Again, Matthew th- th- Matthew and his storytelling is upping the ante yeah. of the of the the persecution coming towards mm. Jesus because straight away you get the uh, you get Peter and the and the and the disciples coming over to him going, dude.
0: Chill! You've really offended yeah, yeah. the
1: Pharisees. They're going back to Jerusalem. We're getting in trouble yeah. here. And he's like, and then Jesus harks back to the former parable, saying, "Don't worry about them. They're, yeah. they're, they're the you know when I told yeah. you about the weeds growing up. Yeah, they're just weeds. You know, like they're not doing the right thing. And then then when all that settles down, they go, okay, now explain to us what you meant about not. The, the, we don't get it. We don't yeah. get it. And Jesus breaks it down in such a simple, childlike way teaching his disciples, yeah. a very almost graphic way of explaining what he means, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing.
0: You're absolutely right about the disciples freaking out through yeah. this. yeah, Because they're thinking, well, he's the Messiah and we've got to work with the powers that be. we've got to... And, and and he's just putting everyone offside so they by this point they are going to be really really struggling well, John, the, Bis- uh, John the Baptist has just been killed yeah, you know like oh God, dude chill and 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 that becomes very clear in 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 chapter 16 but we'll we'll, we'll get to that yeah. the next account i mean the interesting thing after that is that he then withdraws and he goes uh this is his his kind of foray into gentile territory yeah, he goes big up time. into the region of Tyre and Sidon mm. And the interesting thing is, while when he's in in the land of Israel and people are not getting it, he goes into the Tyre and Sidon, and someone there, a Phoenician, because they they are the Phoenicians, yeah. a Phoenician woman does get it. Yes. Now remember, he he had said in um, chapter uh, eleven that if these miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they yeah. would have repented long ago. Remember, he says that. Yeah, uh, um, and. When he says, "You know, woe to you, Bethsaida and and Chorazin," because if the, these miracles would have been performed in Tyre and Sidon, yeah, and Tyre and Sidon throughout the Old Testament are uses the kind of sort of epitome example of evil nations, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> evil, yeah. godless nations. Mm-hmm. So now he actually goes to Tyre and Sidon, and and w- and when he was there, like I, again, we don't have
1: much information, mm. but obviously there were there were. Uh, Jewish people there, and there would have been, you know, some sort of level of synagogues or something like. He would have been doing some sort of, you know, connection mm. there with with Jewish people, or is that just well, have I, have I yeah, read something I, into, into that? Yeah, or I, it,
0: well, it doesn't say that. Okay, it doesn't. That, that's not the point of why. If if he did, it's not important okay. for this because what Matthew wants to show is that where, whereas people in Israel didn't get it, the people in Tyre yes. and Sidon did, and yeah. and Jesus had actually said as much just earlier in chapter. Uh, yeah.
1: 11. But again, this is he's still being very Jewish here. And this is the bit that I think a lot of us in the modern church, as us Gentiles who don't live in this world of Jew and Gentile, this is a troubling passage. Yeah. Because this Phoenician woman comes to him and realizes who he is, son of yeah. David. Yeah. She basically goes, Jewish God, man, you know, I know who you are. My daughter is demon possessed. You're the only one, obviously, that can save him, yeah. save her. And he does. Jesus doesn't even like ignore speak to the hand, and she's obviously bothering them. That whatever they're doing, she's not leaving them alone. This is going a long time, and the disciples are saying, "Dude, deal with her. We can't handle it anymore. She's annoying Mm. us." And Jesus' response to the woman is, "I'm I'm a Jew. I've been sent to speak to the Jews. Can't help you. Sorry, sis." Yeah, and she she will not. Leave him alone. She keeps worshipping him, helping me. And he responds in one of the, I just, I'm amazed at this passage. It isn't right for me to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Mm. And she doesn't blink an eye. She doesn't blink an eye. She owns it. And she says, Yeah, that's true. But the dogs are allowed to eat from the crumbs. Just give me something. She mm. will not let up. And boom. <coughs> you know the faith the the belief yeah. the everything that we've been talking about he calls a dear woman at the end yeah, and 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 does exactly what she wants him to this do this is
0: this is an you know this is a struggle for for a lot of people this yeah. passage but what we've got to recognize is what Jesus is actually doing here because at the end she exhibits greater faith than he yeah. has seen in yeah. in 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 the whole of Israel in his yeah. ministry yeah. down south so so he is, he is doing things in such a way to elicit that kind of faith. Mm. Now, there's something here that's very reflective of the Psalms, actually. I've often used this very story wow. to illustrate something that happens in the Psalms. Yes. Because in the Psalms, you, you get one of the most common themes of lament in the Psalms is, how long, Lord, how long? Because mm. as it says here, Jesus did not answer her a word, no mm. response. <laughs> And that is a common issue in the Psalms. I cry to you, but you do not answer. You're not mm. talking to me, uh, as you said. But, but it seems that God does that. He, he holds back from being found in order to give us time to seek. Mm. Seek and you shall find. So because what God wants more than to answer our prayers is to grow our faith. And so he gives us time to exercise faith like a muscle. You exercise faith and it grows. And so he's clearly giving this woman time to exercise her faith because he wants her faith to be exhibited. Mm. He's he's trying to show something here to his disciples, okay? Mm. This faith that this – to really vindicate what he'd already said before about Tyre and Sidon, that they would respond when you –
1: And also a great contrast to what has just gone on with the Pharisees.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. They're not
1: getting it here. Let's go out to this place that you think is the world's worst. Let me show you what's... A Phoenician woman has more faith than you.
0: And and she's exhibiting her faith in the classic psalmic kind of sense. You know what I mean? It's where where she... and, And what happens in the Psalms is that... Uh, you know, they the, there are these complaints that God isn't answering, but then they make appeals, right? They make covenant appeals based on God's self-revelation. Mm. And it's this idea of wrestling with God, you know, from which actually even the name Israel comes from, he, th- th- yeah. those that wrestle with God, he, he wrestles with God. Mm. And it harks back to Jacob holding on to the angel and saying, I'm not going to let you go until you bless it, bless yeah. me, right? Yeah. So. So this is what happens in the Psalms. You have this sense of, I'm holding on to you. I'm not letting go until you bless me. You see the same thing here uh, in this Phoenician woman. So she is actually exhibiting this Israel. Like faith. Like faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this Jacob kind of phenomena here, more than actually the nation uh, of Israel. And so so he, he doesn't answer a word And his disciples. She obviously keeps going. Yeah. It's clear because his disciples came to him. It says in uh, verse 23, and urged him, "Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us." So this so, is going on for a while. And you remember the parable of the persistent, uh, the parable of the persistent widow yeah. in Luke chapter 18, where Jesus says, and it says he he taught them this parable so that they should keep on praying and never give up. It talks about a woman who keeps banging on the door of the judge yep. till she. And then it says at the end of the he says at the end of the parable when the son of man comes will he find faith on the earth mm. so he's looking for that persistent faith so what we see here is that persistence of what he describes with that parable in Luke chapter 18 the parable of the persistent widow she's she's like the persistent widow here 100%. and and she keeps crying out and then he turns to her and says i was sent only to the lost sheep of israel now there's something for her but he wants he keeps pushing back to give again to keep give her a chance to exhibit her faith the woman says here in uh, verse 25, "The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, Lord, help me," she said. He replied, "It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs." This is probably—he doesn't mean this as an insult. This is a a, a proverbial yes. kind of saying of yeah, the yeah. day. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's not calling her a dog. Mm. He's just quoting a a, yeah. a a proverb. But and but nevertheless, it's a big pushback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the next bit is what is remarkable. Yeah. She says in verse twenty-seven, "Yes, it is, Lord." She said, "Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table." Now, this is more than just a clever working of yeah. that proverbial illustration. Yeah, because there is this law in Leviticus nineteen nine, uh, where it talks about uh, God says to the Israelites, "When you harvest your crops, don't." harvest right to the edges and don't pick up the bits that fall to the ground. Leave them for the alien and stranger yeah. in the land. Yeah. Now, she's the alien and stranger, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the outsider for whom that was to be left. And and she's laying claim to that. Now, did she know that? Um, she she may well have observed that practice, actually. It's, yeah. it's quite possible um, they're a neighbour. She may well have observed that practice uh, among the Jews. But her appeal actually is quite remarkable. Mm. Uh, that there is something for her, mm. and she makes appeal to that. And Jesus just uh, yeah. r- remarks, at, you know, just, this is amazing. Yeah. Woman, you have great faith. Yeah. Uh, your request is granted. So this becomes an indictment. Yes. That's the purpose of this. This becomes yeah. an indictment on the lack of faith mm. uh, that Jesus encountered before.
1: It's it's, And it would have been like, I can imagine this going down and Peter and the crew standing around just gobsmacked. Yeah. Jaws open, slack jaw, just going, what just like? Yeah. It would have been offensive to them. You know, not yeah. only is there Jewish, you know, rules about how uh, yeah. men and women are to speak to one another, yeah. but there's Jewish rules about how they are to respond to foreigners and yeah. stuff and, uh, you know, non believers and stuff.
0: That's right.
1: And she breaks through all of that. I personally think, and I've heard people talk about this in different ways. And again, depends on how you think about Jesus. I think he knew what was going to happen. Of course, yeah, all the way through. Yeah, he knew he's drawing the, out the
0: faith that's there.
1: Exactly, yeah. he was drawing out what was there. He he wasn't doing it to to actually turn her away. That's right. He was doing it for an example to everybody, herself, you know, the crew around him, everything like that, and to prove something. Yes it wasn't that he literally was like yeah. be gone that's he, right yeah
0: to to exhibit her faith and then uh, the opposite ex- is exhibited actually about his disciples in the next yeah. uh, very next account because there you have another situation where Jesus is doing all of these amazing miracles that they're seeing mm. and then there's a crowd it's not a bigger not as big a crowd this time 4000 yeah and they've got more provisions yeah. uh, than than before yeah. and yet is disciple in verse thirty three is disciples, so where could we get enough bread in such a remote place to feed such a crowd? It's yeah. exactly yeah. the same situation that had just happened in chapter fourteen, yeah. right? So Matthew is clearly pointing out something here. Yeah. Here is this Phoenician woman that demonstrates this faith. Yes. They have actually already yeah. seen Jesus do something with a greater crowd and they're stressing out yeah. about yeah. how such a multitude is going to be fed.
1: Do, do you get the sense that sometimes that Jesus was rolling his eyes? Oh yeah, yeah like Absolutely. just, just like oh boy, like it, like it was weighing, weighing yeah, on yeah. on him what he yeah. had to go through here yeah. with the crew. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, okay, so that is, we, well we've done really good there. We've we've really uh, you know um, gotten through uh, chapters fourteen and fifteen here yeah. of the Gospel of Matthew. As 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 we take things away and we see this amazing you know time yet again when he comes back mm. to Galilee in the me- middle of fifteen here. And uh, again, he just goes on a healing, you know, crusade almost. Mm. Like there are, you know, vast crowds Mm. of sick people brought, blind, crippled, Mm. uh, lame, uh, you know, the demonized, all of them coming to to Jesus. And he is healing them all, like Mm. really going to town. Mm. Um, You know, why do we get this resurgence of this? After you know he's he's doing the parables he's doing this he's sort of he's he's pulling back he's visit he's visiting different things, is this like one last great show for them or,
0: well, what? yeah I think he he never gets to a point where he gives up on the people yeah and that's why, so he, uh, I mean we talked um, in the last episode about him in a sense no, I'm not going to talk to them. Uh, well, I'm going to talk in parables so that only those who are willing to hear. Yeah. Uh, but but that doesn't mean that he gives up, Yes. because he wants he wants to put these signs out there to continually indicate what is happening. And it's actually it's more about just doing clever things yeah. and and demonstrating power. It's actually the nature of what he's doing. He's driving out demons, and he's he's. Um, Healing the kinds of diseases that shut people out, that made them ceremonially un- unclean. Yes, he's o- opening ears and eyes. Yep. These are very symbolic yes. miracles, all of them. Um, and and so he's he's doing these things because he just never gives up. Mm. He's never he never gives up uh, on his people. And
1: and I, I think also for important. the
0: for the Jewish reader. It would speak a
1: lot as well, you know, because mm. in one sense, Matthew is going in great pains talking about how Jesus is calling out the religious leaders yeah. of the Jews and really having a hard go yeah. at the Jewish people. Yeah. But yet Jesus' heart is always for the crowds of, of the Jewish yeah. people following him.
0: Yeah, that's right. He, he, he never, he, even though they're not getting it, he never gives up. Even though the disciples clearly aren't getting it, he does not give up on them right to the end. He does he just he keeps working away at this. and I think this is a beautiful message for us that no matter how uh, no matter how much we don't get it or or, 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 or no matter how um, even wayward we are at, at times, God never ever gives up on us. I mean he keeps pursuing us, He keeps trying to get through to us. He's always speaking to us. The problem is we're not always listening. And uh, I, I'm just so glad. Uh, I'm so glad of the patience and long suffering of God because I've benefited from that. I recognize he, he, he just He just keeps speaking and he keeps speaking. And I just encourage us, uh, all of our listeners, to uh, recognize that. It's not a matter of, oh, God doesn't speak to me. No, he's speaking to us all the time. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking to us within our hearts by his Holy Spirit to lead us to that place of repentance and faith and, and he just never, ever gives up.
1: Ah, the patience of our Heavenly Father with us. What a great place to finish the discussion of the uh, 14th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And uh, I need to say a massive thank you to everybody that's gone over to our Facebook page. We've got a Thrive Today Facebook page and you can follow along over there. And part of that is our Thrive Deeper Podcast Facebook group. So you can head over to our private group and discuss your questions, get to meet different people who also uh, uh, you know, listen and enjoy this podcast. It's a great way to connect and have your questions asked. Uh, In fact, next week we'll be uh, looking at some of the questions that have been coming in for the Gospel of Matthew and we'll be going through them next week. If you need your question answered, head over there and do that at any time. We'd love to hear from you. Now, you might not know, but Matthew Jacoby, our very own Dr. Matthew Jacoby, wrote a book a, uh, a few years ago called Deeper Places about the spirituality of the Psalms. And edition number two, the second edition, is about to come out, and we have created a video series for small groups to work through the book together. We would love you to get a hold of this and get to know Matthew in a whole new way through this book, in your small group or life group, and through this video series. The easiest way to do that is to head over to thrivetoday.net.au and sign up to be notified we've got some trailers coming out soon and the videos is released very shortly so head over to thrive.today.net.au, sign up with your email and you will be notified the minute it comes out we'll tell you more about it in the upcoming shows but until next week this has been dj for thrive deeper i'll see you then
0: Thanks for listening to Thrive Deeper. If you have questions you would like answered, contact us, the Thrive Today website, where you can also subscribe to the Thrive Daily Bible Reading Guide. That's at thrivetoday.net.au Until next time, Thrive.